Acquisitions Anonymous, new episode. Michael Gridley here. Welcome, uh, and we're so glad you're here. Uh, today, it was just Bill and I, and we had a ton of fun uh, here on this Friday recording an episode about a linen supply listing that we found on Biz Buy Sell, and we took it to all kinds of very special places uh, beyond the listing. But I think there was a great lesson today that if you stick around, you can see what Bill does and really translate that into a way you can figure out how to find a deal that you want to buy. Uh, and all you have to do is just survive me pitching Bill on starting a new city, going nuts about $8,000 pillows, and a couple other tangents that we went on. Uh, but in the end, just a great opportunity here to learn from Bill, who is so smart, uh, by watching this episode or listening to it here on your podcast app. I uh, hope you enjoy it. And here is the episode after a quick word from our sponsor. Today's sponsor is Employer Flexible. And what Employer Flexible does is really function as a fractional HR department for your company or business. Um, I've used them numerous times in putting together my companies. I've used them when I bought companies. I've used them when I started from scratch. And basically, when you're moving quickly or when you don't want to spend the time putting together your own HR department, benefits, all that kind of stuff, and you want to get the scale of being part of a larger group, you can reach out to Employer Flexible. And what Employer Flexible does is give you that buying power as if you're you're part of a bigger group and all that kind of stuff. And for me, I love working with them for numerous reasons. One is I know the owners and a lot of the staff and they've always treated me super good. And then the second thing is I hate HR. <laughs> like I don't enjoy it at all. Uh, and this way I can know it gets done right. Uh, I get the benefits of having a big fully staffed HR department and the flexibility of having a, a vendor like Employer Flexible being there as a partner throughout my journey and making sure that everybody I work with is happy, taken care of, and we can focus on what really matters in our business, which is take care of our customers. So uh, you can find their contact details, locations of their very off various offices, as well as more details on how they will help your business by going to employerflexible.com. And again, that's employerflexible.com. And thanks to them for sponsoring today's episode. Uh, the best part of these episodes is where we just stop talking and I'm just like, okay, go. And I push the button and we start recording. So that's just what happened. Bill and I, by the way, <laughs> listeners, we're so glad you're here. Bill and I just had a lovely catch up. We talked about all kinds of nerdy stuff. And uh, now we have a deal yep, we'll talk for about, several so. minutes. Good morning, Bill. We do have a deal, but I have a personal question for you that we could share with the audience. You're working on a course. Is that, is that a secret? That's not a secret, right? That's not, a, it's the worst kept secret out there. I'm working on a course. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, How's it going? So it is slow because I care a lot about making it very good. Uh, and in typical Bill fashion, I, like if you're watching this on YouTube, I've totally dialed in the camera setup and all the gadgets and shit. And now I actually have to record the course, which I've clearly been procrastinating the actual content. 100%. Well, you know, you and I have almost the exact same culture index profile, personality assessment. And part of that is like, this like super high demand for quality. Like there's a bar and if something's below it, it just drives us crazy. And like you see us both do this where it's like just grinding on stuff because we just think it has to be done a certain way or it's wrong. And like, I think it's a superpower, but it's also, it has a downside, right? Which is like, sometimes we don't ship stuff because we don't think it's perfect enough. You know, in some ways that's what the course is about. So the course is basically about how to run a business well. So there's a zillion courses out there on like how to do Facebook ads and how to scale your e-commerce business. But I talk to so many founders who have gotten to like 10, 20 million in e-com sales and they don't know how to do accounting. Like they're on cash accounting or they don't know how to do, they're not running EOS. They don't know how to do employee reviews. You know, they don't have, they don't have all their process buttoned up. They don't have all their people process. 
and all their financial process buttoned up. And like people come to me and pay me thousands of dollars a month to, to coach them on how to do this. So the idea is to productize that. And I think it's going to be called, you know, uh, first better than bigger or like better than bigger. So the idea is like, let's put the foundation in place for your business for like a good business. So you as the CEO can be not stressed. You can be looking at the right KPIs. You can be confident your accounting is right. There's going to be a sub module called for your accountant. I think no courses do this, but like a business owner doesn't want to learn accounting. They want their accountant to learn accounting. So it's like, hey, business owner, like this is a 30 minute mini course that you give to your accountant that tells them all the best practices for e-com accounting. And then it goes with all the templates I'm going to give you about how to interpret what your accountant is then going to spit out. Uh, and you kind of get in this rhythm. So that's what the course is going to be about. First, better than bigger. I'm excited. I'm excited. Well, I'm, I'm going prom- to promote the hell out of it, whether you like it or not. So thank you. Thank you for doing it. I think it'll be good. I would like I am that. curious, <laughs> having done a similar kind of masterclass thing personally around hold codes, uh, like I have changed my mind about um, doing masterclasses. So I'm curious to see if you end up at the same kind of journey, which is anything I do future is like going to be shorter and more compact. Yours is going to be so much better than mine that it doesn't matter. But like, anyway, that's where my head's at. I'm curious to see if you have a similar journey or not. So. I might have a similar, I mean, like you said, I'm like a perfectionist. And I want to be awesome. Like this thing is going to be 25 hours of great video, you know, plus a bunch of, you know, Google Sheets templates and, and all that stuff. So it's going to be like the mega bomb and it's going to be a couple grand, you know, but I, to your point, the other side of the course is like break each module into its own course, sell each one for $299 and make it more accessible. And I don't know what the right answer is. It's going to be an experiment. Uh, I have discovered that my course is a Giffen good, which is the price is going up and demand is higher. We just raised the price by 60% and I'm selling more of them. So, yes. Interesting. Yeah. I'm, I Me, believe that. Portia, I believe and, that. Uh, and Louis Vuitton, all in the same category, Bill. Think about it. I do think of that. When I see you, I think of Louis Vuitton. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm very classy. You. <laughs> You sort of, I bet, you know, like, you know, one year for Halloween, you should dress up as like a European fashion designer. I think that could really work. Like get, get some really arty glasses and like a beret. <laughs> First of all, awesome idea. Second of all, how dare you? <laughs> all right. You want to do this linen deal? All right. Let's do this deal. Um, I, I think we've given it, we've bullshitted enough to let us actually give us time to pull it up. Uh, uh, so we've got cool. it. I'm, I'm happy to read it because I'm interested to hear you yell about this one. So it is a high-end hotel linen supply worldwide from Glasgow, Virginia in Rockbridge County. They have a picture of a, it looks like a weird hotel room with like a lot of stuff in it. And then says so seller financing like available. Like a Victorian style hotel room. They're asking 2.5 million, cash flow is 1.1 million, gross revenue of $10 million. They don't list EBITDA, FF and E, inventory of $300,000, and it's been around since 1935. 1935. So it's a hundred year old business. Sounds Lindy to me, Michael. Sounds Lindy yeah. to me. <laughs> People have dirty stuff. Um, <laughs> so uh, the family has been producing these fine textiles for about 88 years. The brand currently has a contract to supply all the bed, bath, table, Linen and accessories to luxury hotel brands worldwide. Manufacturing distribution with pick and pack services are available from the seller at buyer request. The factory will continue to produce the items to their high standards with a royalty of 2% for use of the brand, $500,000 down payment with 10% of sales towards completion of sales price. Seller will stay around for 12 weeks and they want to concentrate solely on manufacturing. 
and it's listed by Neil Gulade. Gulade from Transworld Business Advisors. And there's not a ton of detail here. So I'll click on Neil's stuff and see if Neil has some more um, some more stuff here in terms of the deal while we start to think about it. it. While we start to, to, to see if there's something here. So this is interesting. So as far as I can tell, this is a linens manufacturer, which is the thing that's been around since 1935. And they also have what I'm going to term like a side hustle, just, you know, taking care of these luxury hotels worldwide. What I think is, is a little hard for me to tell, Michael, from the listing is, are they, is this like a linen service where they're picking up the dirty linens, washing them and returning them to the hotel? Or are they selling the linens to hotels? Uh, honestly, I mean, this is one of the things I, it's hard to tell. And it's one of the crazy things about people marketing businesses. It's like, well, why don't you slow down and like actually tell us enough to understand what the business is so I don't waste your time, right? And there's so many brokers that complain about tire kickers wasting their time. And then they put out listings like this and it's just like, can you just slow down and like spend another 15 minutes investing and writing a couple paragraphs on what you actually do? And uh, <laughs> how am I going to figure out if it's a car if I can't kick the tires a little bit in this case? I can't even, the car's underneath the sheet. I have to kick the tires, no pun intended, as yeah. a linen's business. I mean, this guy was very specific with listing um, listing that the exactly which city it's in, Glasgow, Virginia, and that inventory is not included in the asking price. Like, they've spent a bunch of time thinking about how they want to have a structure of the deal, uh, but they've, like, not slowed down to tell you, like, what it actually does. <laughs> Uh, well, that is a good thing, Michael, because they did, as you said, go out of their way to put that it is in Glasgow, Virginia. It's been around in 1935. And I have something called Google. And I know you do, too. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I can tell you a lot more about this company, which is called Castello Home, Fine Italian Bed, Bath and Table Linux, um, it's, which is the number one result in Google. And the number two result is the biz by sell listing, which is amazing. Um, so what it sounds like is this is a manufacturer of linens who doesn't want to sell them anymore. Um, you know, they want to own weaving machines and make really nice linens and they want you to become the brand and they want to be a contract manufacturer. So this to me sounds like a carve out of, of the Castello brand from the Castello manufacturing company, which actually I think can make sense. Because if there's one thing I know from selling physical products forever, it's that manufacturers suck at marketing. Yep. Right. Like people who are really good at making things are usually really bad at selling them. Uh, and that is why, you know, value chains exist and manufacturers that specialize and brands tend to specialize. So the question though, Michael, is which is the better business, the manufacturing or the branded selling of the linens? Uh, neither. Is that, is that an answer? Neither. <laughs> No. <laughs> so why, why neither? Why do you hate it so much? Well, okay. So the manufacturing side, um, first of all, I think you're, it sounds like they're manufacturing these here in the United States. Like the United States is not set up to do textiles. Well, we have too many environmental restrictions. We have too many high cost labor things. Like unless you're in a specialized niche, I, I don't like that. I mean, textiles have been not made here for, for a long time and moved overseas where there's a comparative advantage there. So there's that. And then I think on the supply side, you know, unless you're in a very specific niche, 
I think somebody like this, you know, you're in a situation where there's a lot of buyer power for these luxury hotel brands. They're, they're going to shop what you're doing from the 15 other people that can provide it. It's very much um, a big expense item for them. So they're going to be very cost conscious and beat you down a lot. Um, and so I think, you know, neither one of those, when I just think about it holistically without figuring out, okay, is there a blue ocean corner of this market or either one of these markets that I can be in? Is there, is there something there? Like in, without having an answer for that, like I'm not excited at first blush about either one of these industries based on that cursory, girdly, I know nothing analysis. That's fair. B2, B2B selling with a whole lot of competition is really, and buyer power is really tough. And you can see their EBITDA or their cash flow margins are 11% based on the numbers that they show here. Uh, and the very first question I would have when you talk about doing a carve out like this is, are the margins really 11% or is the, are the margins only 11% if I get the sheets at your COGS, which you will definitely not sell them to me at because you need to make a margin. Now, you're not going to make these things for free for me. So you need to recast the income statement. Uh, I'm almost sure, nothing against Neil Galati from Transworld Business, Business Advisors, but I'm almost sure that you will need to come in here and recast the income statement for what this is going to look like when the brand is not owned by the manufacturer and the manufacturer has to make a margin selling the brand, the, the sheets. I'm not sure it's the same Neil Galati, but um, it's very interesting. When I Google Neil Galati, an article comes up about uh, a guy from Richmond who is the mattress king of Richmond. And he was the biggest seller. He's an Indian immigrant, biggest seller of uh, mattresses in Richmond, Virginia, which I don't know if that's different from where this is, but <laughs> it's just... Uh, well, it's Neil Galati says Transworld Business Advisors dash RVA, aka Richmond, Virginia. It's got to be the same guy. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, speaking I'm as a confused, positive But now thing, he's a business broker? Like... Maybe. I don't know. I would want to kind of dig in to understand the guy's story a little bit. He may own this business. <laughs> that could be the other part. You just see some crazy stuff. He may own this business. Um, it could like, be self-listed. That's true. I think this is like, if I could just give a commentary about like why, like this is why when people are like, we don't want immigrants coming in the United States, like it just makes me so sad. Like it's not full, like go drive out to West Texas, but like guys like Neil Galati who show up and become the Richmond King of, of, um, uh, you know, the Richmond King of mattresses, like, dude, don't we want more of that in America? Like the guy came in and made the world a better place for him, his family and his community. Like we want that kind of stuff. And that's and why paid a ton of taxes along the way. Right. <laughs> ton of taxes. Great. Right? This is great. Like you want better jobs for America, bring in some people who are going to make some, like, I think it's just a great thing. I do have, by the way, I've been working on a startup idea in my brain for like 15 years and I can't figure out how to make any money from it. But here's the startup idea. You go out to West Texas or a place where a, sh a city should be and you go found like your own brand new city and like just do it, unfix, un undo all the mistakes that we're doing in our cities currently and like just start from scratch. So that's that's my grand idea for you, Bill. Have you heard about the guys that are trying to do this in California and like California is having none of it? <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, first thing you do is don't do it in California. I don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> exactly. Do you hear about this? It's it's uh I forget what it's called, but it's basically like it just leaked for like five years. A bunch of like the who's who of venture capitalists that you've heard of put like a billion dollars in a kitty, and they've been buying up land north of San Francisco in like Nowhereville, rural California, with like contiguous plots of farms. And the idea is exactly what you described, like a a city that doesn't suck. But to your point, like 
I, clearly these guys have never thought, haven't thought too hard about this because they're trying to do it in California. <laughs> and so basically like the, it got cracked, you know, it all cracked open this week and California finally figured out who was behind all the anonymous LLCs. And uh, like every California government person is like, absolutely not. Like we're definitely not letting rich people found Elysium north of San Francisco. <laughs> Elysium, <laughs> such a good movie. But I think that's where you have to do it. You have to do it so far out in the middle of nowhere, like that nobody can complain. And that's the problem with California. Like it's too crowded, and everybody has an opinion. Um, but yeah, like I would do it in Texas. Like West Texas, people don't know about West Texas. There are parts of West Texas that are at very high elevation, like six and seven thousand feet. So they're actually remarkably pleasant. They're kind of like. Like, it's one of the jokes we always make here in San Antonio. Like, if you want to get out of the heat in the summer, you don't fly north. The fastest way to do it is you fly to Mexico City or Guadalajara, which are both at like six or 7,000 feet of elevation. And they're delightful. Like, the weather is so much better in those places than it is here in San Antonio. Um, and the truth is, look, look, Bill, just so you know, I'm a realist. If I founded my own city and built this thing out, like, it would just have, a, it would, there would still be things that suck. It would just be a new thing, new set of things that sucked. I just, all, whenever you go fix some problems and do better than it was done before, you're going to create some new problems. And I understand how it is. But the thing that would not suck is we would make some more houses in a country that is desperate for more houses and opportunity for people. That's that's the sum of it. At the very least, you would for sure make more houses, definitionally, if you're building a new city. So you know, at least you got that going for you. I think the other thing to do is, I mean, the other approach besides going out in the middle of nowhere is you go do the, like what I call the Lockhart plan. And I call it the Lockhart plan because Lockhart is basically 45 minutes from San Antonio and about 45 minutes from Austin. And like, that's out in the middle of basically nowhere. There's freeways nearby. You're relatively close to high-end healthcare. If you need to go see a specialist or whatever, you can do that in San Antonio or Austin. Uh, you can drive to either airport. Like you don't have to recreate those pieces of infrastructure and people could technically do that commute if they really want to. Like, I think that's a more reasonable plan and it's kind of what they did. Um, what's the name of the community, the master plan community on the north side of Houston? I'm totally blanking on it, but like uh, the, the woodlands, like that's basically the woodlands play. Like you go 45 minutes outside of a major city and like create a brand new city that people love. So I think that's another way yeah, to do use it. Use all the infrastructure and be close enough for all the infrastructure, the airports, all that stuff. And of course, still pay the taxes and use the infrastructure. And that's all square deal. So no, nothing wrong with that. Um, but you need enough space to kind of start from scratch. Uh, correct. Anyway, here's the deal. Girdley's only working on stuff that can make money. And I don't know how to make money from it. So I'm just going to leave that in the bin of, well, I've considered that idea and I'll keep moving on. So, um, so back to this listing. Also, it sounds very hard. <laughs> Do, do you want to go to like a planning and zoning meeting? Like I, my life's too short for that. I'm not going. Exactly. That's why it's hard because it's hurt. It's consensus building hurting cats. No, thank you. Yeah. There's send somebody else in for that one. Girdley, you're going to sit at home and write some tweets. <laughs> that's, that's what I say. Okay. So sheets though, sheets though, you're going to need a lot of sheets in your new city. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Are you, are we going to, maybe we could locate a textile mill in the new city that makes luxury sheets for a hotel brand. <laughs> I love it. I'm trying to spin this to be a good deal. <laughs> uh, so you were, you uh, actually looked up the business. So what do we know about this business? Yeah. So this is, and I, I can put it on the screen if you want. Um, it's yeah. called Castello hospitality, C A S T E L O L L O hospitality.com. Uh, they also have just castellohome.net, which is what came up first in Google. So that sort of reinforces what this is, is a linens manufacturer that does not really know how to go to market. You know, their websites are not awesome. 
uh, if we pull them up. I, I guess I can share it for our our YouTube friends. Um, this is the this is castellahome.net. Uh, it looks like a WordPress template. You know, like the sheets look nice enough. The website does not. Um, bed linen. You know, like they've got everything: wood fiber, pure linen, neck roll, standard sham. Like I'm not a huge bed linens dude, but this looks like a comprehensive selection of bed linens. Um, so it's a fourth generation Italian linen manufacturer established in 1935. Uh, like I believe these dudes know how to make linen. Like I bet it is nice. Uh, but to your point, Michael, like can they make it at a price that is cost competitive with China? And how big is the market that, you know, that people actually care? Um, I wonder though, actually, the more I think about this, this might be made in Italy. So if I go to their contact us page, they've got three addresses, one in Glasgow, Virginia called home, one in Radford, Virginia called warehouse hmm. and one called Castello 1935 in Milan, Italy. So for what it's worth, I think there's some real Italian heritage, if not manufacturing here. Yeah. Which is cool. One of my buddy actually has a business where he, he moved all of his manufacturing uh, to Istanbul, Turkey which I think he partially did it because he wants to hang out in Istanbul a lot, but like, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty cool. It's like, uh, we've talked about the, there's the statistic that when they move the headquarters of a, uh, of a major corporation, did you know it's like 94% or 95% of the time it moves closer to the CEO's house? You heard that stat? <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> Makes sense. So, like, and the other 5% of the time, they open up satellite office in the CEO's hometown oh, where yeah. the CEO works. So it's like when, when we moved our code up business, the first thing the real estate agent did was, um, the commercial broker did was ask where our CEO's house was. <laughs> Drew a circle around that. <laughs> that was what he did. It's pretty not, smart. Not his first time, I guess. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I think that's, but, but so you're thinking what this guy's doing with this is, it's actually manufacturing in Italy and he may have a factory he owns there or contracted. And then they have been trying to market that stuff in the United States and they are trying not to market that stuff anymore because it sucks. Yeah, I think so. This Oh, this is interesting. Uh, the first generation guy just died in 2022. Um, so I wonder if that is motivating a transaction here. Um, this is the guy, the original founder's son who was the man director of Castello in 1935 group, 80 factory workers, 50 subcontractors at its peak. There was a Montreal factory. Like there's some serious history here. So I don't, I don't think this is like, like Castello is like some dumpy fly by night thing. Um, it's been around for 87 years. I think that they don't know what to do. I think they've got, it's probably a little disorganized. It's, you know, it's too spread out. They've got too many members of family and they're trying to do something to reinvigorate it. What I would do is come in and go, look, I don't want to just buy the, you know, I would entertain all structures. Like I don't want to just buy the hotel side of your business, which is, I think they're trying to, trying to sell you right here. They're trying to, I think they're trying to keep making, keep owning all the factories, keep making the sheets and probably keep selling the sheets to retailers and even direct consumer online. And they want to sell you the hotel business because that's what the listing says, high-end hotel linen supply. So they want to keep making the sheets. You do all the selling to the hotels and they probably keep the better parts of the business, which you know maybe are the high-end manufacturing and other channels. So I, but I would go in and go, look, your patriarch just, just passed away. 
you know, you probably are looking for a liquidity event of some kind, you know, is there, is there a better deal to be had here? Like I would immediately break out of the bounds the broker is trying to put me in, which is the hotel linens business and go, I want to look at the entire asset and see if there's a deal here. Yeah. This, the way they're structuring this is almost like you're a manufacturer's rep. Like, um, yeah, you're not, I don't know what you're actually buying here. You get, you get, you're buying yourself. This is a buy yourself a job situation, the way they're structuring it. And I agree with you. Like the brand, I mean, I like that brand. Like I look at it, you have some history and like, there seems like there's some opportunity there though. I think bedding and bath and table linen is, is one of the things that really like the luxury brands haven't, haven't, uh, haven't penetrated unless there's like Louis Vuitton sheets. And I just don't know about it. Does, does Supreme make sheets now or no? So I don't know if Supreme makes sheets, but like, check this out though. If I go to the bio, and I'm going to put this on the screen again for YouTube, uh, Taylor Campbell, the third generation, now is vice president. He continues father's path and concentrates solely on the high-end luxury, bringing on the finest customers of the industry, uh, Seaborn Cruise Line, MGM Resorts International, Amman Resorts, which are some of the nicest resorts in the world, Fairmont Hotels, Four Seasons Hotels versus Carlton Hotels. They have account managers in the US, Canada, Europe, Middle East, Asia, Russia, Warehouse and distribution points, West and East Coast in the United States, Europe, and Asia. And then Castella has been manufacturing private label for customers for years. And it looks like they only went into their own line in 2018. So there's a lot here. They could have a massive private label business uh, for other brands, or maybe it's private labeled for Ritz-Carlton hotels, and Ritz-Carlton sells Ritz-Carlton branded sheets, right, that have their brand on it. Like, this could be a more interesting business, right? Because Ritz-Carlton sheets need to be awesome. They don't need to be made in China because they're sold for absurd, you know, absurd margins because they have the Ritz-Carlton brand on them. They need to be made in Italy, right? So you might have some defensibility here if you have good contracts with these guys, you know, them and Amon and MGM, et cetera, Fairmont Hotels. So like this might be a more interesting business. The more I read about this, I'm just horrified at the level of detail that the broker chose not to include because there's a whole bunch of really interesting stuff here that I found by Googling and pouring through their website here in 20 minutes. Um, But also I think more and more, there may be something interesting here. Like there may be a deal to be had. This is sort of one of the things where I think you can find in the small business market and make a crap load of money. Like you can find a, a family that is a motivated seller you know, or needs, needs liquidity and you can put together a deal that maybe they hadn't thought of or the people you're bidding against haven't thought of that works for both parties and potentially control a really interesting asset and clean up the cap table too. And probably all the middle management of people who all have the same last name. I like the creativity. I'm all over it. I, here's my thing. I think, well, especially for our, our future, future first deal for the acquisitions anonymous business ownership partnership slash buy a business that we can sell some crap to our listeners. Um, no offense, listeners, that, that, uh, <laughs> that's what we're going to do. I mean, we'd be stupid not to buy a business that couldn't sell stuff to our audience. Like, so <laughs> nobody's going to buy linen from us. But anyway, I don't think there's a good candidate for that. I Michael, think everybody better. sleeps. All of our listeners sleep, I'm confident. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Phil, I don't know about you, but none of our listeners want to think about me before they go to bed. That's what I was telling you. That's probably true. <laughs> oh, let me snuggle up in my girdly branded sheets. <laughs> Honey, come on over here. Then you look down and it's like Michael Girdley's name on your pillow. It's like nobody wants that. 
<laughs> Honey, you've been listening to too many episodes of that podcast. We need to take it away. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, no, I mean, in, for clarity on the business we should buy, it should be something that will be meaningful and interesting to our to our listener base. And I think that's uh, that, that that would be my opinion on it. Which the worms definitely meaningful and interesting. I wonder if wonder if Mills has made any progress. Uh, okay, but. Can I just bring us right back to the linens for one second? Eighteen hundred dollars for a pillow. Eighteen hundred dollars pillow. One pillow. Eighteen hundred dollars yeah. for oh, a pillow. Oh, that's not even the the most expensive one is seven thousand two hundred dollars for one pillow. It is a certified Icelandic Eiderdown pillow. It's a king size pillow. Oh my goodness. Okay, now I'm more interested. You can't sell a seventy eight hundred dollar pillow that's made in China. Okay. There's no way. A gift okay. from the Eider Duck. There is no physical contact with the Eider Duck in the processing of this product. They molt and leave the Eider down in their nest for farmers to harvest after they've left for the season. It's hand-processed and 100% pure Icelandic Eider down. This just goes to show you that there is a... The luxury market for anything goes like 10 times higher than you ever think it would. This is an $8,000 pillow. Okay. I think our Michael listeners speak. can definitely get behind us selling $8,000 <laughs> pillows. <laughs> like, there's no way they this would. Is, this is the coolest business ever. How do they not talk about this? This broker should be crucified. This, I mean, there's, there's so much here that he did not even mention. Just put on the listing, you sell $8,000 pillows. Michael, if, if this podcast uh, doesn't work out for us, it's nice to know that we can always go be the best business brokers in the world <sighs> if we have to. Uh, that that's good yeah either that or i'd go be an eos implementer <laughs> i could always make i can always make money doing that too many people no thanks <laughs> uh i do think i mean it, it doesn't meet my criteria for new ventures but like it's totally a nick huber style like i could spin up an agency doing eos consulting like immediately like just like because i talk about it so much like every other tweet Dude, you know, I do some consulting, like a huge part of it is drawing from EOS and helping people who are already on EOS do it better. EOS is very cool. It's like, without diverging into a whole thing about EOS, I think it is like the perfect balance between like enough structure and not too much structure. And it draws on like all kinds of old wine from all kinds of really good business thinkers and puts it in like one wine skin called EOS uh, with kind of a perfect balance. Well, I think that, I mean, Gino, who's the guy who built it, like none of that is new ideas. It's zero new ideas. The new idea is, I think what he did was go through and pick out the stuff that doesn't need to be there and just focus on the key things, right? It's just like, you're just going to focus on goals. You're just going to do this. We're not going to, you know, and there's stuff that's not in there. People are like, well, how do I do man? How do I manage employees? It's like, you don't like, we're not going to talk about that because that's important, but not as important as this other stuff. And that level of focus is the genius of it. And it's just that one idea and that one Rubik that he had when he built it that just made it so good. Totally did. That's great. That's great. All right. Anything else to say? We talked like a little bit about linens and a lot of bit about other stuff, but hopefully that's interesting to people. Uh, look, I, I mean, I think the lesson for today for me, just reflection is like, if you're looking for deals, like... What we did today, I think, is a great example of what you have to do to find a deal. Like, you got to find it in a weird way. It's got there's got to be some hair on it some some way, and it's got to be hair that you're okay with. Um, one of my friends used to talk about every deal has red flags at the 
You just have to know if you're okay with them, right? You know what they are and then make sure you're okay with them. I think that's such a good line. And so his, you know, what you did today where it's like, well, this listing's really terrible, but it's kind of, it, it might be interesting. Like, let's spend five minutes Googling it and go turn our brain on. Like, that's what you have to do to find a good deal these days. And you're not going to find it in the perfectly marketed, broker does a good job, well-written sim in a, you know, vertical SaaS marketplace, right? It's just not going to happen. And uh, I thought that was genius, an example by you. And yeah, lots to learn from that. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, that was a terrible listing. It was one paragraph. And at first we thought it was linens distribution, like to hotel, like actually a laundry business. But in fact, it's an Italian factory with worldwide distribution and four generations of family. And what's great is 95% of searchers, their eyeballs are going to roll right over that deal on biz buy sell. Yeah. Right. So good. Thank you for being terrible, broker. You know, less competition. Oh, did you see the guy? Did I share the thing where the guy was like, why are you shaming me? One of the brokers on YouTube was like, why don't you just respect my hustle? And I was like, well, uh, why don't you spell check? That was my, that was my reaction. You spelled hustle wrong, bro. Do better. <laughs> why don't you run the spell check? So, <laughs> so anyway, we're not being, we're not being mean, but we have a point. That's how I think about it. So super yeah, cool. I agree. All right. We'll wrap it up here. You and I could talk for like four more hours. So I always enjoy it. Thank you, Bill. Yeah. That was a good one. All right. <laughs> Hope you guys like this one. See you next time. Bye.